Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday, 3 to 6 Eastern, 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. What up? Doug Gottlieb Show. Fox Sports Radio. Coming to you from the red-hot city of Angels. Oh, we got the uh, NBA restart about to be ended. And the playoffs about to begin. Welcome in. So we got some hoop to talk about. Maybe a little golf to talk about. We catch up with everything uh, football, though, with John Middlecoff, who does like to talk hoop, does like to talk golf. I, I, and, of course, the 3 Now podcast, the former NFL scout, 
Um, and we'll, we'll talk NFL with him in a second. John, I want to I actually start with what I began the show with. And you're the perfect guy because you're in Northern California. I I kind of feel like because the Nets are fun and pretty good without Kyrie and KD, and maybe this is more on Kyrie than it is on KD, um, I feel like, and I think the Warriors, as much as I do believe there's another run in them, maybe not another historic run in them, but another run in them. Like those guys are still going to be good when they come back. We'll see if they'll be championship level great because the league has evolved and maybe caught up to them in some aspects. But I feel like their legacy is set because they won a championship and won 73 games in back-to-back years before winning two championships with KD. I feel like KD and Kyrie's legacies are very much up in the air and how it goes with Brooklyn next year specifically uh, maybe a, a huge deciding factor in how we look at them long after they retired. I, I would agree, but I'd say that KD's a little more in cement. Yep. You know, because Steph had been the back-to-back MVP and he came here and he was the best player in the world. And Steph was still damn good. And Clay became a star kind of with them. So it was like, to me, Kevin is just a different animal, right? To me, Kyrie kind of a unique cat because when he's on no one can stop him what he had that game this year where he scored like 60 and he didn't miss yeah. <laughs> you know i mean he, he used to give the warriors the business and when they won the championship remember those final three games i think game five and six and he scored 40 in both of them yep uh hit the game when he shot right but but to me kevin is like a different dude he can be you know just kind of introverted at times negative or whatever but people like him you know i, I even when draymond snapped at him it wasn't because he doesn't like them. It was just because he wouldn't commit to the team. And Draymond and Steph and Clay, like those guys are all in guys. Uh, Kyrie is kind of, it felt like at times, like a bad guy, like treated just random coaches and players poorly. Like I, Kevin never got that rap. I, I don't, I wouldn't parallel them at all, but I, there is going to be a lot of pressure on these two because you had a good tweet last night. It's like, why does every time Kyrie disappears from his squad, they just play like legitimate basketball. I mean, it, it's ty- it's tried and true formula now. Yeah, yeah. Um, are we like some people seem to be falling for this trap? But it's like the argument you make about Damian Lillard. If we believe that about Lillard being well, now he's a, one of the greatest players in the league, right? That becomes true about the Suns becoming an elite team because they're eight zero, right? Like it's a small sample size. He's been awesome. Let's not take away from it, but we've also seen him. Anytime we've seen him in the playoffs against Steph, Steph's been better, right? Like you can like really, really, really good or even great, and then superstar. There's a difference between the two, or or do you believe that he's evolved and he's taken his his talents to a different level? Yeah, I know. Just knowing a couple of guys around the Warriors and just watching the way the, their players talk, including Kevin, like they have immense respect for Dame. And they don't really respect that many guys in the league because they destroyed everybody, you know, for five years. To me, he's on the short list with Kawhi and, like, LeBron of the guys that they just know, like, is, I mean, a legitimate guy because he always torches the Warriors. To me, his issue is, like, yeah, they play no defense. Well, I mean, Steph, a big part of Steph is he's got Draymond and Clay next to him. Imagine if instead of having C.J., Dame's right-hand man was, like, Paul George or just, you know, some equivalent to Clay in that realm, I think they would be a lot better on defense. Like, to me, Dame, it ain't Dame's, like, Dame is what he is, but it's not like Steph is some lockdown Jason Kidd defender, right? So, to me, I, I was thinking about this today, going for a jog. Why, would you entertain, and I know he's banged up right now as a bad back, 
why wouldn't you trade CJ this offseason if you could? I know he makes a lot of money now and try to get like that type player. You know, I you know, I don't know, you'd know better as like is Ben Simmons a fit? You know, just a guy, just a more def- a defensive minded longer guy. Like that to me is what they've always been missing. Why they could never match up to the Warriors when Dame like Dame consistently scores like 40 to 50 against peak Warriors teams. It was just they could play no defense. Well, he doesn't he also doesn't play a ton of No, he doesn't, but and, I, and he does but, but I, I just think they just need to surround him with more guys like that and give him themselves a chance cuz he's he's definitely elite offensively, right, with the top of the line guys. Yeah, uh CJ has CJ only has one year left, I think, on his deal. I uh, thought they gave him a big extension like it, last year, right? They did uh no, it was, uh, it was a couple years ago. Um and it was a four-year, 106 million dollar deal and they have the bird rights. He's a free agent at the end of next season. See, it's it, it's interesting. It would be it would be incredibly bold. Um, I don't. The problem with Simmons is nobody. I just nobody him out. He's I the understand. First guy that I thought. Of. No, no, no. I mean, like, yeah. I mean, at some point you go like, look, this is the ceiling, and you know. Whereas last time when they had Lamarcus Aldridge, they lost him to free agency, and then they had that season where you know they were a little bit better than people thought after Lamarcus Aldridge, yeah, but they couldn't keep him. You know, they're they're because they've been shunned before by stars who have left. They're more prone to overpay to keep the guys that they have and and feel closer to them and and try and use it as some sort of loyalty. So it's a great question. I think it would depend upon the guy, the contract, and how Damian Lillard would would, would feel with him, right? So I, 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 I really think the NBA could just use more dames in the sense of star players that are passionate about where they're playing. And you and I have talked about this off the radio, like. Clearly, he likes basketball. What did he say last night after the game? Like, you know, I've watched the Nets team like four times since he's been here. Yeah. How many guys in the bubble have actually been watching the games? I, right? I, I, I mean, think a good. On. I think a good portion. I think it's 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 like, look, it's like it's almost like it gets back to your roots, right? Like, if you're a ball guy, like you get back, you're like, man, this is like an AU. This is like the greatest AU tournament ever. We can always get in a gym. It's only us, you know. You know, you go, you take the bus to the game, you come back, and it's just about you can watch any game you want. It's just about basketball. Like I. I do think that the guys that have not grown past that almost childhood infatuation with the sport are are some of the ones that are more locked in because of it. Where there are other guys that just basketball. I mean, Chris has had a good bubble. You know, he can't, he likes basketball. You know? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. It, it also says a little bit something about what's going on in their home lives normally, like in terms of distraction. Like, well, how come you're not this yeah. good all the time? Well, I got wife, I got kids. But Damian Lillard is like, you guys got rap career. You know, when you. When you uh, you cut away and you got all this time for it, uh, it's fascinating. All right, let's get to football. Um, college football-wise, what's your reaction to half the college football big-time teams are playing, half of them are not? You know, not surprising. I, I think the Big Ten and definitely the Pac-12, their school presidents just view themselves as world leaders. You know, I mean, they, academics in the Pac-12 definitely come first, and I think just watching from afar, the Big Ten views themselves the same. So the SEC, you know, say what you want. Like football comes first. Like it's it's a way of life. And the, the Big Twelve, you know, you'd know better than me, but it sure feels like, especially the big boys, like Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Texas. Like it's athletics are a big deal. And the boosters that pay for it, have, you know, have a lot of pull. Like out here, the boosters have some pull, but I mean, we've seen over the years with USC, it's actually a little more complicated than it is with some of the other schools. Like in the South, it's pretty black and white. Like if they're going to play and they're going to try, I also think the coaches have a lot more juice. Like what Nick Saban says on campus or now Eddie O or, you know, Kirby Smart, 
you know, back in the heyday of like Spurrier and some of these Bobby Bowden in the ACC schools, like that matters. Like it, no one cares what the football coach says at UCLA. I mean, you know that. I mean, it's just it did a cow. Justin Wilcox say whatever he wants. Nobody cares. And I, I just think it's just uh, priorities, and just they care a lot about football. I don't know if it's right or wrong. We're, we're going to find out. But I commend them for trying. Uh, I, I saw this on Twitter, like the Big Twelve is, or I mean, the Big Ten is going to have students on campus, but they can't play football. Yeah, and they can, I mean, play, I, they can play. They can play intramurals. Yeah, I mean, I, I've seen enough. Like I saw Iowa signing some petition. I listen. The kids want to play. Their parents want them to play. And clearly, the coaches, like it, sure doesn't seem like Ryan Day and Kirk Ferentz and Jim Harbaugh are agreeing with this decision, right? It's not like some unanimous well, they're decision. All, they're all petrified over the, and rightfully so, over the virus. The no, well, the virus can go to your heart and the litigation and the potential for you know lung damage. Again, but, but my thing is like, look, you're actually, and this is where Trevor Lawrence was echoing something I've said on this show for a couple months, which is I understand if you think you're going home to a bubble, right, and never going outside, and you're constantly going to be monitored, fine, but you're not. You're going home, and you're a college kid. You're not going to want to hang home with your parents. You're going to want to work out. All these things are inherently more dangerous, more likely to catch COVID, and you won't be monitored by a team doctor. And if you do get it, after you, you're you not going to get MRIs after you're done. Right? Like all this stuff, all of this, all of this life will still take place, only you won't have the oversight of college football coaches and all of the resources given to you. Here's what I listen. I'm not a doctor, but that whatever. Thank that you for word clearing is, that up, by the way. You know, the heart uh, starts with an M. That the big, the Big Ten made kind of an issue with. Wouldn't that be an issue then in the NFL? Because it clearly, I haven't read one time that that has come up. That that potential heart disease that can you know carry over if you get corona, and you know especially for bigger people, right? Uh, so I clearly the SEC has the biggest people going. And they haven't flinched, and they have. And if you see, I think Alabama reported that they've been testing everyone coming back on campus, and they've had pretty good results. And that's not even talking football players. That's just talking students. So I I just think it's a fundamental different way to look at the way to operate. When I think about the SEC, when I think about the Big 12, I just think very, very aggressive. And I think when I think the Big 10 and definitely the Pac-12, I I just – First thing I think, that maybe the Big Ten's a little bit different, like Ohio State, but still, like, academics kind of come first. And just that academic mindset. You know, how many people in business would, like, be good friends with school presidents? Like, that's just not their type guy. Yeah. And these guys aren't businessmen. But they are, like you said, they are very risk adverse, and they want to avoid this. And clearly that, if it was five kids total in the conference that had that heart issue, that's enough to scare those type people. Where Nick Saban, that's just not going to make him flinch, right or wrong. Um. The two tight ends get paid. They're two of the elite tight ends, if not the two best tight ends in football. Uh, I think most people love Kittle more than they like uh, Kel in terms of the fact that Kittle blocks and Kelsey doesn't. Um, and then, you know, comparison-wise, pass-catching-wise, I think Kelsey's a little bit better, but um, I, I, I obviously bow to your knowledge. What, what changed in terms of their salaries? It, it does feel like the NFL for a long time had suppressed the tight end salaries, is it because these two are elite guys, or is this a trend that, that others will follow? Well, I think Kittle was in this weird spot. The tight ends have always just been really they, – they were the lowest-paid, highest-paid player at their position. Like, the highest-paid tight end was less than the highest-paid guard. And I think Kittle was at the point where they were going to start padded practices, I think, on Saturday. And there were rumors like he was not going to practice. So Mike Tannenbaum tweeted this a while ago. The new holdout is a hold in. 
like you show up, but because this then you're not, not going to work out. Yeah. Yeah. You're just not going to do anything physical because you're not going to, you know, risk it. And Kittle's the best player on the team on a team that went won 15 games last year. So, you know, I don't think he wanted to go the Aaron Donald, Khalil Mack. He's not Jamal Adams. He wasn't going to make he, – because he likes – he loves Kyle. And John drafted him. He, like, he likes playing here. But it was like he's not going to sign Austin Hooper money. So you were going to have to meet him. Like, to me, like, Amari, I, I understand you get paid on positions just like real estate. Like, you get paid on where you live, and, you know, based on, like, what block for your house. But, like, how could George Kittle – to me, he should be much closer to Amari Cooper than Austin Hooper. And I, I still think the deal that he signed, like every team in the league would have signed him to that contract. I mean, he's one of the best players in the league, and he makes $40 million total in guaranteed money. Like we talked about Bosa last week, he makes 102. million. George Kittle makes $62 million in guaranteed dollars less. So it's just it's an all-time undervalued position still, even though it's a quote-unquote historic deal. And then just you know knowing the guys in Kansas City, they just love Kelsey. I mean, Andy he loves throwing the ball, and Kelsey's probably going to go down – I mean, besides, like, Tony Gonzalez, I mean, he's got a chance if he can stay healthy these next three or four years, one of the greatest pass-catching tight ends of all time. I mean, he has 200 catches the last two years. I don't see why that's going to slow down playing with the quarterback he's got, right? Yeah. Let, let me play for you something Joe Montana said to USA Today. Take a listen. Well, my guess is they'll give him a little bit of opportunity in the offense to, to do things that they did. Um, I think that was one of his beefs up there. He, he told me that, you know, they ask my advice, I tell them, and then that, they don't do anything. So, um, so um, I think he would like a little bit of input, and I think they'll probably let him have that, especially with the success he's had. What do you think? Was that Tom and uh, Belichick? Yeah. Um, I mean, not shocking. I mean, Belichick, it's just kind of his show, even though it's kind of crazy when you hear it, when you think about other great quarterbacks that are just, you know, when you think Peyton Manning, you think it's the complete opposite, right? What he said goes, he basically was the offensive coordinator. I think Tom had earned the right by the end. And I would imagine, like, Josh was in this weird spot, right, kind of the intermediary, but it was never really his call. And that's the thing with Bill. Like, he doesn't technically call the offense, the defense, or the special teams, but really he does. Like, you don't call a play without it going through his head. He can he can X anything. And, you know, I, clearly their relationship – you know, Bill and Tom, which is just human nature, right? When you've been together that long uh, and they just went through some weird stuff. And it, it kind of feels like it got a little weird after the play gate, but I don't think Tom just had these thoughts the last couple of years. It's probably the last decade. But when you're winning and you're that famous and you're winning Super Bowls and you're Tom Brady, I think you just kind of deal with it. And maybe it's easier. It clearly was easier for him to just kind of draw a line in the sand. He's 42 years old, 43. You know, it's like you'll take stuff when – think about what you would do when you were 30 that you can't imagine doing when you're 40. You know, I, I bet it's just – it was easy for him. Though, we'll see how easy it actually goes, especially with this crazy year. Like, it actually might be kind of hard, you know, given this new offense, given what they're trying to implement, like him and Bruce trying to get on the same page. It, it's probably going to be a little bit work in progress, but, I mean, at the end of the day, they have a lot more talent than he did the last year in New England. No no, no question about it. Uh, last thing, Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. You talk a lot of Raiders on your pod. What I've, I've been asking people this. What is it that Derek Carr is missing? I, t- just knowing people on the staff over the years, like, he has the physical tools. And we saw it that year when he was in the MVP mix. Since he's been banged up. They'll always say, like, in practice, he'll just be slinging it around, slinging it around. But as we know in football, you got a red jersey in practice. You never get hit. And in the games, 
and I think Sando wrote it in his piece on the on the tears. He just won't pull the trigger sometimes, like when he starts getting rattled and hit. If it's all good, he's fine. And I think sometimes he thinks too much about people coming at him because he's been hurt. You know, he's had like legitimate injuries, shattered his ankle, broke his back, and I think it just it just gets in his head. And last year, I know statistically it was good, but I've been watching him since high school. I, I just I actually didn't think he played that well the majority of the – like winning football, winning plays in the second half against good teams. I'm not even talking about like throwing the ball in the ground on fourth down when you're down 20. Like that, that's stupid. But like I'm talking more in a tie game in the third quarter just taking a dump sack or throwing a pick six. And it's just – this is a big year for him, man. I mean, they draft an elite receiver in the top 15. They draft a couple more guys. they got a star running back. We know Gruden's nuts, and he's given Derek a long leash, right? Yep, now this yep. is, what, Gruden's third year? Like that's, that's a long time to have a quarterback that you didn't draft or sign, and you haven't won yet. So I, I would say, especially given the power of this Vegas and what they're going to try to win, like they better be in the playoff mix. Just look at his contract. I saw today, he, I saw Gruden had a quote, Mariota looked damn good. It's like, I, I don't think he's just throwing that out randomly, right? It, it might be a little Phil Jackson mind games with the starting quarterback. Middlecoff, great stuff, dude. Uh, You took a jog. Are you playing golf this weekend? Yeah, I'm headed out right now. You know, it's 105 degrees. That means no one's on the course. Get it to yourself. I actually, I like playing golf when it's hot. I I love it. I do too. It's like, you know, golf, you don't really, you get a sweat except when you play when it's hot and there's nobody out there and the ball runs a little bit further. So you're like, man, I really crushed that drive. And he's like, no, it just rolled a lot further because everything is, everything is, is dry. For sure. I, golf, baseball, deserve to be played in the heat. There you go. John Middlecoff joining us. Three and outs podcast. Thanks so much, John. See you, Doug. Have a good weekend. It's been the perfect storm for this NBA player to rise to superstardom. I'll tell you who that is next. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. 
I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Juan Gabriel. Juan Gis. Selena. Selena. Celia Cruz. Azúcar. Carol G. La Bichota. Christina Aguilera. Extina. Just to name a few. We're serving the whole story. From rags to riches. And all the tea in between. I'm Liliana Vasquez. And I'm Joseph Carrillo. And we're the host of Becoming an Icon Season 2. Guess who's back in the house? And we're bringing you even more stories behind the world's biggest stars in Latin music. Certified Latin royalty. Consider us your star sleuths, your chisme besties, digging beneath los mejores éxitos to bring you everything you didn't know about your favorite Latin icons. Hey, you know what, my boo? You're my favorite icon. Aw, Joseph! Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Doug Alley Show, Fox Sports Radio. Do you guys know what a nor'easter is? Ramos, you don't know what nor'easter is? I believe it's when two fronts meet together at one point to make a bigger than life storm. A, a, wick, a, a wicked, a wicked, wick, storm? wicked, awesome storm. Okay. Wicked awesome. Yes. Is that kind of right? Yes. There's one other element that, okay. that's missing. Uh, Byer, do you want to help out? Are you familiar with the nor'easter? Um, no. What, what did John say? Uh, <laughs> two, front, two fronts meet together. Yes. It's a, isn't it a snowstorm? Uh, it, it, yes, it can be a snowstorm. Okay. It can also be a rainstorm as well. But yes, it, it, all right. Typically, I thought it was okay. So, a storm, so when a, when a when a when a storm kind of goes through, right in like the northeast part of the country is where nor'easter usually nor'easter where it usually occurs. You know, you get what's called a dusting. A dusting in New England's like six to eight inches, right? That's like a dusting. You know, ah, some snow. We'll clean it off. We'll clean the roads. We'll be fine. A nor'easter, you can get 24, 48 inches in a day, just dumped. And what happens is you get what's called an Alberta clipper, 
That's a low-pressure system that comes from Canada, super cold. And then you get a low-pressure system from the contiguous United States that comes over Iowa and the Midwest. And they they meet, they merge. But here's the one thing you missed, John, is there's a high-pressure system that'll get parked off of the uh, off of the coast of New England, right? Right in the Cape Cod area, right? It's right there out in Cape Cod. And so the storms, instead of just coming through, they get stuck. And they churn and churn and churn and churn and churn and... 30 inches of snow uh, is on your lawn the next day. That's a narista. And some might describe it as the perfect stam, right? That's what's happened, frankly, with Phoenix or with, with Portland, right? With, with Portland. Portland was massively underachieving all season long. Some because Damian Lillard wasn't consistently as good as he could have been, but some because they had lost Zach Collins and Nurkic for the season. You lose your two, you're starting four, you're starting five. Um, you combine that with Gary Trent, who's kind of coming to his own, is just a rookie. So rookies get like an off season, and this is their second year. You get Nurkic and Collins back. You you get as much as Carmelo Anthony's been hit or miss, he's getting a chance to play because you got Collins back. You got a chance to play him some at uh, small forward, not just at power forward, where he can have a little bit more of a mismatch. He's also not called on as much to make as many plays. And then you get a heater from, you know, from a guy like a Damian Lillard. And not every team they've played against is has brought their top guys either, right? Um, some of it has been draw. I mean, the other night when he went for 61 against the Mavericks, he's going right at Perzingis, who's just a horrific defensive player, just horrific their strategy was bad and and Przingis was bad combined it was awful defensively so you know I, I, and then there's also some kind of preseason football element of we're waiting for sports to come back so we're watching and the numbers just pop out at us and we go like all of this stuff together and you're like Mount Damian Lillard is amazing he's great he's been great i'm not here to defame Damian Lillard to go for 51, 61, and 41 in three consecutive games. Okay. But there's a lot of other kind of stuff at play, you know, two fronts, high pressure system, which allows it to be the perfect storm. Right. And, and we do this. I mean, we do this in football. How many times have you been watching usually the second preseason game and the rookie quarterback comes out, Daniel Jones last year, right? Perfect preseason. Like, oh my God, Daniel Jones is amazing. Everybody missed on him. I mean, how many, how many preseason superstars have we seen? We're like, well, you know, I don't, I don't want to take this preseason seriously, but man, do they look good? I know. I know. I, they always say like, I know it's preseason, but man, Chad Henney was throwing that pill around. I mean, Blaine Gabbert was amazing. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. This was Joe Montana talking about Tom Brady's decision to leave New England. Well, my guess is they'll give him a little bit of opportunity in the offense to to do things that they did. Um, I think that was one of his beefs up there. He, He told me that, you know, they ask my advice, I tell them, and then they don't do anything. So, <laughs> um, so um, I think he would like a little bit of input, and I think they'll probably let him have that, especially with the success he's had. Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. 
Right, so it, it basically says like, hey, Tom Brady had no say in New England. None. No say. You know, it's interesting. I don't know what he was referring to until I, I talked to Charles Robinson yesterday. This was interesting. This is Charles Robinson from uh, Yahoo Sports. He had this to say about Brady being unhappy with the Patriots. He was upset about Antonio Brown. Like, he really was upset that, that they just washed their hands of Antonio Brown, particularly because Tom was such a big part of getting him in there, getting him on the right page, accepting him. Like, I mean, Brady brought him into his home, like all these different things. Right. And then, you know, the Patriots pulled the plug. And, and frankly, you know, Tom's pretty cutthroat. And I think part of his thought process was you just took away a guy who could have been the difference for us. Like, you know, and then he sat there and you saw they struggled offensively. I think that was part of it. Hmm. Well, the, the problem with the Antonio Brown thing, and I look, here's Brady's perspective. We've always just been about winning. Corey Dillon had a bad reputation, came here, couldn't have been better. Obviously, Aaron Hernandez was a guy that had a checkered past and a checkered you know, t- tenure, really, with the Patriots you didn't know anything about. We, we didn't ask questions. Randy Moss was a guy, I play football, I play when I want to play, right? Like, all of these guys, they had some issues, but, when they, but in New England, it was, hey, if you want to be a football player, then you, this is the place to come. You want to win, this is the place to come. It's about winning. And Antonio Brown was supposedly great at practice and about winning. The problem with Antonio Brown is, one, the timing with, you know, the owner's massage parlor, parlor antics from the offseason before, right? Like, we, there, there, there's something there. And then, and I said this at the time on this show, like, it wasn't a day that went by without there being a new Antonio Brown issue. It wasn't like there was one thing like, you know, he refused to take a breathalyzer and a DUI. We don't know if he was drunk or he was just, you know, he had a, he said he had a glass of wine. Like, no, no, it wasn't even, it was about violence against women, violence, you know, using kind of social media and the media to go after this other woman. There was all these different issues and every day there was something new. And finally the Patriots who only had him for like, what was like 11 days were like enough. We just, we've had enough. And I understand Brady's like, look, I laid out, I opened my house to this dude and I, I legit like him and he's a great player. And he was, we were that one player away from maybe winning a Super Bowl, and you cut him. Come on, man! What are we doing here? We're the Patriots. We're about we're about winning. Winning and only winning is all we're about. We're about winning and only winning, whatever it takes. And yeah, like I'm sure there's still some some hurt feelings when they lost to the Eagles, and he didn't play Malcolm Butler, and it was in the name of culture and doing the right thing for the team. And they got back and won a Super Bowl next year. But, but I'm sure there's some, there's some Brady feeling like, Hey, we, all we needed was one stop to beat the Eagles and we couldn't get it. Cause our top cover corner only played one play like that. That doesn't sit well with me. So I actually see both sides to it. Is Russell Wilson taking shots at his coaching staff? Find out next. Fox sports radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. 
and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Juan Gabriel. Juan Selena. Selena. Celia Cruz. Azúcar. Carol G. La Bichota. Christina Aguilera. Extina. Just to name a few. We're serving the whole story. From rags to riches. And all the tea in between. I'm Liliana Vasquez. And I'm Joseph Carrillo. And we're the host of Becoming an Icon Season 2. Guess who's back in the house? And we're bringing you even more stories behind the world's biggest stars in Latin music. Certified Latin royalty. Consider us your star sleuths, your chisme besties, digging beneath los mejores éxitos to bring you everything you didn't know about your favorite Latin icons. Hey, you know what, my boo? You're my favorite icon. Aw, Joseph! Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. 
old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And now... This is Colin Coward talking about Russell Wilson saying he wants the team to play like every quarter is the fourth quarter. Thank God Russell Wilson is the best trailing quarterback in the league. Last year, trailing late at half after halftime, uh, Russell Wilson had 19 touchdowns, one pick, and 110 passer rating. <laughs> he, he's great trailing. Most quarterbacks are not great trailing. I mean, even Aaron Rodgers trailing his, his passer ratings like in the high 80s. Russell Wilson's is 110, and Aaron Rodgers has a star back and a star wide receiver and a better O-line, and Aaron's great. But it, this goes to prove that the truth always eventually comes out. You just have to be patient. For years and years, it was, oh, Pete Carroll, the Legion of Doom, it's such a great operation. And I kept saying, Russell Wilson's leading this. This is not a Pete Carroll thing. I like Pete. But Pete got fired twice in the NFL and was 7-9, 7-9 in Seattle. Uh, and Russell, for the first time, is coming out and saying, yeah, it'd be nice if we didn't trail at half and have kind of a middling game plan. In fact, listen to this stat. Wilson is 12th in the NFL last four years in passing attempts in the first three quarters. 12th. You have Russell Wilson, and you're 12th in passing attempts. Now, fourth quarter and overtime, he's top three. Because then Seattle doesn't have a choice. He has to save them because they're trailing. So the truth eventually comes out. Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. Um, <clears throat> look, I think what Russell Wilson is saying is what we all say when we watch the Seahawks play. Why don't they just play like that the whole game, right? Just let him back there and let him run around and let him do his thing. You know who's the best person to ask? Dan Beyer. He's a Seahawks fan. <laughs> I actually think oh. what Russell Wilson is saying plays right to what fans think all the time. Like, why not just let Russell Wilson do his thing in the first three quarters like you yeah. do his thing in the fourth quarter? Yeah, they tried that a couple of years ago. And then they uh, they got beat by Denver right. and the Chicago Bears, right. two teams that were uh, not better than they were. And then when they committed to the running game. Right. Yeah. They and set everything up. They pound you with body blows, body blows, body blows, body blows the whole game. They shorten the game. They play to their defense. They play to Russell Wilson making plays on third down. Then in a close game, at the end of the game, they go like, all right, Russell, now you can go win it for us. That's what they do. Whereas if you have them try and win it the entire game, it doesn't work as well. Absolutely. The three highest passer rating seasons in Russell Wilson's career have been in seasons where the Seahawks were the top five in rushing. And this is there when the Seahawks lost a couple of years ago to the Cowboys in a wild card game. There's a lot of criticism that they stuck to the run too much, but right. that's what got you there. I, I, I just that team is not built to get into shootouts. shootouts. Maybe once in a while, yeah. yeah but you're not going to win all of those games. Um, yeah, I just I, I don't know. I just it it doesn't make sense to me. It, it, it really it's doesn't. weird. It's like I think Russell Wilson's an awesome football player. I have no problem with him as a football player, but I think he's he he so wants to be well liked. It's it's almost painful between the unlimited, unlimited last week and this week doing what I mean that's classic kind of fan stuff, where you just like why well, we need to play all four quarters like it's the fourth quarter, all other three quarters like it's the fourth quarter, whatever he said. We're just going like what, dude? 
What are you even talking about? They what? can, and they don't have a defense that can stop teams like they once had. They they get zero pressure on the quarterback. So, uh, what's the point in getting a shootout? So then you have to put your defense back out on the field so they can, you know, get picked apart. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it all. What all he needs to say is like, "Hey, look, I get it. It looks crazy sometimes, and." You know, our games are close, but you know what? It's worked. It's worked for a long time. It's going to continue to work. Like you may sit, and even if you don't like the play calls, you're like, hey, fans may not like the play. There's a reason we're doing what we're doing. We pay the best in the business to figure out what's the best way to win. And, you know, we were basically, you know, one play away from winning the NFC West last year. We're at the, we're at the knocking at the door. And I mean, frankly, he screwed it up, right? Is that offense screwed it up? Otherwise they would have. So I just, I think it's this needless desire to be well-liked and to be seen, to be fawned upon by fans. And I don't, I don't actually get it because he's a really good quarterback that's really well-respected. I don't think he's Aaron Rodgers. I, I just think Aaron Rodgers is better. But Rodgers doesn't care about being liked. Russell Wilson cares way too much about being liked. There was another quote as part of what Russell Wilson said as well of the 56-0 at half. And a lot of that is or when they're, when they're leading at at the half. A right. lot of that is because they're running the football, or right. the team is maybe beaten down in the second half. Right. It's why Doug. It's why when Alabama plays, like it, it's so funny because Alabama may play. I don't know Mississippi State or you know uh, Kentucky or somebody, and they'll, they'll play, and it'll be like ten seven at half or thirteen to seven, something like that. And then at the end of the third quarter, it's twenty eight to ten. Then at the end of the game, guess what? It's forty-five to seventeen. You know, it's just because you wear you wear them down, and that's kind of what the Seahawks' recipe is. Them getting in a shootout doesn't that that fifty-six to nothing or fifty-six and zero stat has nothing to do with them scoring a bunch of points. It's right. how they're setting up the game. Correct, correct. And and my point has always been, um, you know, is that my 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 point has always been that like. Whatever you discuss inside your locker room doesn't matter to the common fan. You know, all you need to have is support, right? They're the best. And then they'll say, no, he's the best. No, you're the best. No, you're the best. No, you're the best. That's all you need to say. Okay? That's all you need to say. Um, but it, it's, it, I, it, we had, you and I had this discussion, I think last off season, which is, I don't know why we operate under this, premise that the Seahawks and uh, their front office can build a winner and then not build a winner again. Like what, like you were, you were, you were only great at evaluating mid round draft picks once or for a couple years. And now you're not. Now, if you want to tell me that one of the things that helped Pete Carroll when he first got to the NFL was he had recruited or played against all the top level guys. So he knew who really could play. That's fair. That did give them an advantage. Absolutely did. But to me, like if John Snyder and Pete Carroll can build one tremendous defense, one historically great defense like the Legion of Boom, why don't we have faith that they can build it again? I've always, I've, and it's the same thing with Russell Wilson, the play calling. If, if, if they've been able to get to multiple Super Bowls, if they've been able to put them in the playoffs year after year after year, why is there, why wouldn't you think that they can do it again and figure out the formula for the personnel they have based upon the team they play against that can do it again? Ah! What does the fuck say? That make, did I make sense there, right?
Again, these are all congruent arguments, right? Guys aren't just good evaluators for five years and then all of a sudden they forget how to evaluate a player. That doesn't, that, that doesn't jibe with me. Two NBA players are already all-time greats, but what happens next will determine their legacy, and last night proved it. I will prove it to you next on the Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.